this weekend I was at a club and I told a story about having a panic attack mm. and like I walked people through like what it felt like. I felt like I was gonna die imminent, you know, like mm. really like the dark thoughts that a panic, have you ever had a panic attack? Oh, I've been, oh, oh you're speaking my language. <laughs> uh, brother, have I? I yeah, I had, I had my first panic attack when I was like seven years old. Yeah, I, I honestly love talking about we it. We have like, medics on site here today in case you have a panic attack. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to be I thought you were trying to upstage me of like, yeah, it's cute you were 7. Well, I run around with a doctor trailing me at all times. So, call me when that happens. What if working it out had a in-house doctor? <laughs> what if we had an in-house doctor, in-house psychiatrist? <laughs> I'm riffing something. You're like, that actually sounds like a problem. Can we get you in here, please? I, let's explore that further. That is the voice of Maddie Weiner. Uh, Maddie is a phenomenal young comic. She's a fixture at the Comedy Cellar in New York City. This is a super fun episode we have today. I think you're going to love it. Uh, the tour started in Boston. It continued uh, in January in the Pacific Northwest. I was in... Uh, Walla Walla, Seattle, Portland, Vancouver, and this week I am headed to Florida. There's a there's a great if you're on my Instagram, I posted a Florida review from Jacksonville from many years ago when someone said they didn't like my language. Sometimes they don't like your language in Jacksonville. I I talked about uh, sex, coarse language, use coarse language. And uh, discuss drugs slash heroin, which was, I think, the Muppets bit. It's like the story about the Muppets. And it's really, actually, really silly story. But sometimes in comedy, one is misunderstood. Uh, but I can assure you Floridians, there's no discussion of drugs slash heroin or even sex that much. So this week, I'm headed to St. Petersburg, uh, which is almost sold out. And then Jacksonville. And then after that, I'll be in Orlando, which is almost sold out, as well as Miami Beach. Uh, we just added a third and final show at the Chicago Theater in Chicago. Uh, all the best seats, you can get them now. I'm so excited. I was going to do one show at the Chicago Theater. Now I'm doing three. Uh, we also added a second show in Atlanta at the Tabernacle. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous theater. Also, there are a few tickets left for the added third show in Denver at the Paramount, which I love. Also, if you're anywhere near Colorado, I'll be in Aspen at like a gorgeous little opera house that I was at many years ago. And uh, I'll be in Beaver Creek, Colorado. I also just added Tulsa for the first time on my tour ever. I will be performing in Tulsa based on uh, peer pressure from our guest Sterling Harjo a couple years ago on the show, convinced me uh, to visit Tulsa. And I've also, I've just heard so many great things about it. I'll also be all over Texas, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and then three shows in Austin, Texas at Moon Tower Comedy Festival at the Paramount. I'll be at the gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous theater, like the perfect theater. It's actually the theater where we premiered my movie Don't Think Twice many years ago. Uh, and then, of course, I'll be in Los Angeles. I'll be in Troy, New York. I'll be in Toronto. I'll be in Richmond. And we added a third show in Washington, D.C. And I'll be in Niagara Falls, 
and then Sag Harbor. If you're anywhere near the Hamptons in July, I'm performing four shows at the Intimate Bay Street Theater, which is like a gorgeous little theater that I love, 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 love. Um, this is a great chat with Maddie Weiner. We talk a lot about anxiety and panic attacks in a pretty candid way. I think it's like anxiety is definitely a recurring theme on this show, uh, which is great. I think it's great when comedians are open and honest about their own personal challenges. And Maddie is a great example of that. She's a young comic that is just on the rise and you should uh, pay attention to now. Go see her live if she's coming to your town and enjoy my chat with the great Maddie Wiener. I remember being in a car with Nikki Glaser and we were talking about something and she wasn't like running bits. Like we were just having a conversation and then I watched her get on stage and it was like just a bit immediately and it had happened like that day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is like watching someone. It seems like the difference between like when you're learning a language and you have to like translate it in your head versus when it finally clicks and you're just like thinking in that language. I was like, oh, you're fluent in how to just like think in funny things. And it was like really interesting to watch. Yeah, fluent in thinking funny things, I think, is one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is like taking thoughts and configuring them into jokes. Mm. So like I, your, one of your jokes I've repeated to a lot of people like my wife Jenny and like a lot of like friends is like the subway joke. I saw you at the cellar oh. do the subway joke. And, and Thank you. Can you do it just so that people understand what I'm referencing? Yeah, the bit is basically just that like subway sells sandwiches by the foot. And then I'm like, that doesn't even measure food. That's a distance. <laughs> right. Like a foot is when you're like here and then over here. And we were like, oh, that much sandwich, please. <laughs> that it's like it's like eating pizza by the acre. It's like a psychotic pizza way by the to acre, yes. think about it. Right, so I love that. And it's like, that's a perfect example of like, you took a thought and that occurs to you, you write it down. Is it immediately a joke or is it that your brain is trying to learn how to configure jokes and then you do it later? That one was, I was like, a foot is, I think it started off as like a foot is so, it, the quantity is so much. And then when I was like, oh, that's like not, that's a distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I was kind of like, I riffed it from there on stage a few times, but that was pretty like fully, like, do you know, you know when like a, sometimes you're like, oh, I just found a funny thing and it works and all I have to do is that. And then yeah. sometimes you're like, oh, I have a thought that I know is interesting. Yeah. And because it's interesting, I know there can be something funny about it. Yeah. But I haven't gotten it there yet. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's- You mean my whole act? <laughs> <laughs> is this a subtweet in real time on my podcast? <laughs> no, I mean, like, I mean, like, I feel like, because I'm only like nine, ten years in, so I feel like I'm at this weird- tipping point and then I watch more experienced comics be able to like have something that they have a conviction about and communicate it in a funny way versus I feel like when you're starting it's kind of like oh I found something funny let me keep that gem right versus like no no I know what I want to say and I'm gonna make it funny yeah you know what I mean and the subway joke was kind of just like oh I found that kind of fully formed and it was not a lot of editing needing to be done I had that on my last special with Airbnb mm. there's no breakfast <laughs> it's like how this is the most misleading acronym. It's like, but that was like that mm. where I'm like, wait, did nobody notice us? But yeah. that's how I feel about the subway joke. And you're just like, oh, you spotted this thing. Like that's right in front of us. Mm. Are you like, do you feel like uh, if you're on your phone or something, 
Like, I don't know. I feel like those are things that you only notice if you're bored and looking around. And then it's like, you kind of have to like seek out boredom so that you notice little things like that. I, here's my trick. Subway, headphones, no sound. Whoa. So then you don't get people talking to you. <laughs> it's just a busy sign on your yeah, face. It's a busy sign. I don't sign. need room service. It's a busy I don't need sign on your face. <laughs> it's just I'm not interested. That's so funny. That's my trick. Headphones, no sound. They're not plugged in. You're just twirling. <laughs> yeah, and then like you get to witness the movie of the world. Whoa. And then just sort of write down what happens. That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Because that's where it all happens, right? I feel like so much happens on the subway. But I also have to be, I don't know if you have this, but when I go on tour, subway, jokes about being on the subway don't always play. I've had that with jokes about catcalling where I have to change it to like sidewalk or like moving yes. car because they're like, we don't, yeah. Did you have a bit about catcalling? Yeah, I, I had a bit about, I have a bit about uncles where I talk about catcalling. Oh, okay. Is it, should I say the, I don't know. Yeah, why not? It's like, Unless you don't want to, but. No, 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 but it's just that an uncle is halfway between a father and a stranger and that that's why they're creepy. I mean, that it's like is, a dark joke. That's a great joke. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's but, a, that's a perfect example of the Subway sandwiches thing. It's like, It's just yeah. a little like, here's what describing the thing. Right. But the, the place that the subway comes in is I'm like, because the dad's like, we're so proud of the young woman you're becoming. And a stranger, the way I say it in New York is I'm like, a stranger stops you on the subway and is like, oh, nice tits. But an uncle is just in the middle. Like, you're really growing into your body. Oh, my and I'm like, God. And it's like, it's, it's yeah. upsetting. But, but subway, it doesn't quite click on the road. I have to say, like, sidewalk or moving car or, like. Sometimes I change it to bus. Oh yeah, every literally. But then in some cities, people are like, "You ride the bus?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I took the bus in like what? Nashville, Tennessee, and people were like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> it's rough, and it's like forty-five minutes. It's like one of the like I grew up in North Carolina, and I was like, I didn't even know we had a public transportation system. Yeah, but you can do it if you want to. Right, you but change it's... everything to an Applebee's. That's <laughs> an Applebee's. Yeah, that's the subway of North Carolina. Do you remember like sometimes on the road you change it? To something and they're almost insulted. They're like, do you think we don't know? Like, I'm like, right. what you guys would understand, like a Waffle House. And right. they're like, hey man, we have internet. Like, right. <laughs> I was driving my tractor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a tractor. Yeah, All right. I get yeah, what he's yeah. saying about the economy. <laughs> That's really funny. And then, um, and then the other one that I loved was when I saw you at the cellar was my, the therapist, the Overeaters Anonymous joke. Oh, thanks. Can you say that or? I, my therapist told me I should go to Overeaters Anonymous. And then I was like, if, if you go Alcoholics Anonymous, like there's people from all of the groups there. So I'm like, I can't, there's people there for like cocaine and heroin. And I have to walk in like, oh, hi, I'm Maddie Muffins. Like, oh, yeah. that's not a great look. <laughs> that's really funny. Did you go? I did. I went to a couple like Zoom meetings, oh. which I've added a line to that now where I'm like, you can't do Zoom. Like they got to make us walk there. That's like very funny. Zoom is rough to just roll over and be like, oh, I'd like to change now. Like it's That's not really funny. I think it's like going to the fat meeting from your bed isn't going to like help anything. That's very funny. <laughs> but I, I did actually go to a couple of them. And I mean, in all honesty, they were actually pretty helpful. It was like a pretty cool group. But, but the thing that made me I was like, I have to do a bit about this is I went on the website 
and it's like, ex- would you like to accept all cookies? Yes. And then the joke I do is I'm like, that's how I got here. Like you can't. Oh my God. You know what I found out recently? The uh, seller messaged me on like Facebook and they were like, hey, don't know if you saw this. The guy who codes the website for Overeaters Anonymous saw that bit oh. and commented. And he was like, just so you know, we fixed this a few months ago. Like, so apparently that's not true anymore. They don't have the allow all cookies oh. button on the OA meetings. The... Uh- you have a thing which is um, you started when you were like 16. Yeah. You're 24 now? 20, just turned 25. 25. So you're so young. Does everyone hate you? All the other <laughs> comics hate you? I feel like I'm now getting out of that like uh, it's not like a quirky like, oh, I'm, so, I'm like mid-20s. All right. Now I'm just kind of a dude. But no, I don't feel like a – I feel like having like a – like 50 older brothers. You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like I feel like uh, – because I started young, like I started in North Carolina and it was like the scene there was such a tight knit like family. It, it was it was just like having like a bunch of older, like if I, if I was like, oh, I'm dating someone and they're like, all right, man, well, just so you know, like if you I mean it's like having like 30 dads with a shotgun, oh, like they were all like very cool and uh, I think a little bit like paternal, which is sweet. Yeah, because it is like stand up comedy is kind of overrun with men. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, but in a way that like, and I have uh, female friends that I like love too, but I do think I have like a weird, uh, I had a weird entry point because I never really had, I got lucky. I haven't had any guys be creepy to me because I think I was 16. It was kind of like, all right, you're like the, you know what I mean? Like class pet or something. Like right, it was like, no right, one's right, gonna, right. yeah. So like I've thankfully. Well, there's one comedian who would have been really interesting. <laughs> well, it might be a couple, unfortunately. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Jesus. <laughs> um, do you ever have stuff? Because you, I feel like you discovered early on to just talk about your own life. A little bit, yeah. Versus like just doing observational stuff. I feel like when I started as observational stuff because I was like so not a... You know what I mean? It's like, what are you talking about when you're 16? Right. But then it was like, yeah, the stuff that works is always the stuff that it's like, oh, I got to get this out. Do you ever feel like, um, like I struggle to feel anger in my own life in some ways just because I'm scared to and I'm kind of a people pleaser and Re- I don't want to be. Um, repressed is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, I repressed. I repressed <laughs> anger. Thank you. <laughs> no, but like I like the dealing with certain things like, like, oh, talking about personal things. It's like, maybe this sounds cheesy and overdone, but it is like cathartic because it's like things that I wouldn't necessarily get angry about in real life. But then on stage you can go, hey man, what the fuck is this? In yeah. a way that it's like, not only not, you're not punished for it. People are like, Love that you just said that. Yeah. Like, it kind of is the only place it feels, like, socially acceptable to have anger to me. I totally agree. Do you ever have things where, when you're talking about personal stuff, where you go, oh, okay, I guess I said that. <laughs> yeah. That, you know what I mean? You, I feel like the... <laughs> yeah, do you ever have, like, like someone will come up to you and be like, hey, so the thing you said about that horrible thing that uh, happened to you when you were younger, and I was like, how do you... Oh, yeah, I yes. said that on stage. I forgot that people it's crazy, just know right? that about me interpersonally now. Yeah. I have it sometimes where I'm in the middle, in the middle of my show, and I'll, and I'll be like, huh, I guess I'm talking about this. <laughs> have you ever had that where you improvise out of some a topic, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, now I said that to a group of strangers. <laughs> now that's out there, yeah. Have you ever had that like uh, with a specific thing? Yeah, I'm trying to think of something like specific of like – Talking about like darker stuff, like like uh, 
getting like groped at a party and stuff where I was like, oh, that was personal. Oh, wow. But then it usually like, but then I was like, eh, it's kind of funny though. Right. Did <laughs> uh, it stay in the act? Yeah, but it's one of those things that I'm like, I only do it like in an hour. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't know how to squeeze that in in 15 minutes. Like, I'm right. like, they need to know me enough first to be on board with that and know that like I'm okay and stuff, you know? That's interesting you should say that. Like, they, they have to know you. Because for me, like, yeah, it's night and day in relation to like when I'm on the road doing an hour versus like at the cellar doing like mm. 15 minutes, like what you can go there on. So for mm. me, like, you know, I've talked over the years about having bladder cancer and all these kinds of things. And it's like, if you bring up bladder cancer in a 15 minute set, <laughs> you sure as hell better have an ending point that <laughs> fucking kills. You know what I mean? Or else people are going to be like, what is this? What did that guy just, you know? Whereas in an hour, you can land it. Mm, yeah, my friend described it to me as uh, my buddy Kenyon was like, uh, <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's like if you walked up to someone in an elevator and we're like, oh, hey, by the way, something really bad happened to me and I don't know my dad that well. And they're like, what? He's like, yes. we just met. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would be at a, that point in a conversation. That would yes. be crazy. No, totally. Do you feel like as the years go by and you have an audience that knows you, that that gives you more freedom to discuss things that you wouldn't, you know, go into raw with like just a group of people? Y yes and no. Like this weekend, uh, I was at a club and I told a story about having a panic attack. Mm. And like I walked people through like what it felt like. I felt like I was gonna die imminent. You know, like mm. really like the dark thoughts that a panic, have you ever had a panic attack? Oh, I've been, oh, oh you're speaking my language. <laughs> uh, brother, have I? I've, yeah, I had, I had my first panic attack when I was like seven years old. And I've been dealing with them like it's been the single biggest thing I've had to deal with in my life. Like I really, yeah, I'm a meds oh for gosh. it. It's been, yeah. I, when you were seven, are you comfortable talking about it? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I didn't mean to derail your not story at all. about. Um, but, but I also don't want to talk about it if it's. No, gonna, no, no. I'm not. I'm in a like a safe distance from it. To yeah, I, I honestly love talking about we it. We have it's like, medics on site here today in case you have a panic attack. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna be. I thought you were trying to upstage me of like, yeah, it's cute. You were seven. Well, I run around with a doctor trailing me at all times. So, call me when that happens. What if working it out had a house in-house doctor? What if we had an in-house doctor, in-house psychiatrist? That's um, what the extra chairs are for. Dr. Phelps, can you come in for a second? <laughs> yeah, the extra chairs are for that. Yeah, if, if your guest, if I'm riffing something, you're like, that actually sounds like a problem. Can we get you in here, please? I, let's explore that further. No, but um, when you were seven, that's wild. Like, did you have the feeling of like, I'm gonna die? I remember like hyperventilating and my face got hot. And I remember being like, I need to, when you're like, oh, I need to like get out of my body. Like if I had an emergency eject button, I could push from my body. Wow. I would be pushing it right now. I think I like stole a pen and I thought I was gonna go to jail. Wow. And I remember like calling my mom over and being like, I don't know what's happening. Cause yeah, I was in first grade and I was like, I don't know what's happening. And she gave me water and I was like, I stole a pen. I'm so sorry. And she was like, okay. I, you know what? And I didn't even steal a pen. I asked the teacher to borrow a pen and then I lost it. So I took another one and I yeah. was like, the feds are coming. Yeah. It's over for me. They're still there. Yeah. The, fed, <laughs> the feds are circling with helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, that's wild. Though, but, oh, so the other night the I was walls about fall the, down. This has been a setup. <laughs> <laughs> the other night, I, uh, I, yeah, I was talking about panic attack, 
And the audience was like with me to an extent, but I always say this to young comics when they ask about telling stories. So I'm like, you sure as hell better have an ending. <laughs> and the other night I did not have an ending. And it and you felt it. Like you really felt it. Like G- Gary was doing the show with me and and in between shows he goes <laughs> You gonna do the panic attack story in the second <laughs> show? And it was his way of saying, I hope you don't do the panic attack story again. It is a it is a way to walk someone through the worst feeling imaginable and being like, So isn't that rough? Yeah. <laughs> so isn't that rough? I were, it was funny because there were laughs in the middle, but I really feel like with stuff that's intense, like I think you do have to have an ending. Mm. The audience needs some kind of closure. Like to know that it's a button and they're safe There's, and we can laugh at it? That's true. Mm. I mean, I always thought like, you know, the most significant one in my life is I sleepwalked through a second story window like 20 years ago. And and I think that the the reason I was able to tell it was that the audience could see that I, like I'm in one piece. Mm. They're like, all right, Houston's all right. Yeah. Like the thing I have about uh, that I was talking about earlier about sexual assault, is this okay to talk about? Oh, yeah, you can talk about it. But that I had to add a line in where I go, I was sexually assaulted. Don't worry, I never had a bat mitzvah. So it was like, you're a woman now. Like, you need oh something God. to usher in the new era. But the, the, the people kind of need that line to be like, I'm fine. I'm good to talk about this. So you don't have to be weird on my behalf. Right. What's the th- the bit that you do on stage that you feel like that's the most how you feel, but you can't say in your life? Ooh, I have a bit about like, uh, uh, like poor fat is different from rich fat. Oh. And that... That like the like plus size models are like all have like big boobs and a big butt and we have to be like you're brave and I'm like no you're like a Pornhub category oh my God. you're not like the loose Walmart all in the shoulders <laughs> like a meatball on a toothpick like it's all in your <laughs> neck guy and I would never say that in real life but I'm like yeah man that's a different texture can I say of like versus like a smooth rich. Dude with like a just a stomach. When you do that as a bet, do you have a sense? You're like you wouldn't say that in your real life. What would be the reaction in your real life if you said that? I'd be like, a, like if I just like posted that on Instagram. If I just had an Instagram story that was like, hey, you know, like poor people are fat, different, and be like, what? Yeah, like, I don't think. Yeah, I think the reaction would be uh, a big fuck you. Probably is it okay right. to cur- Yeah. No, I think you're good. Yeah. Um, Even though I'm sometimes on public radio, this podcast is not on public radio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but yeah, I, I think in real life, uh, I would never, well, I don't even know who I would say that to, but there is a little bit of on stage, you go, hey, can we like, can we like be honest for a second? We all yeah. like notice this, right? And I've noticed sometimes with crowds too, I'll have to say to them, like, I can feel you trying to be good people but it, they're different. And then that gets a laugh. That's it's like, okay, yeah. no, no, you have permission to, I know you had this bad thought and can we like talk about it? Yeah. And he, almost always it's kind of like, eventually they'll, okay, yeah, I also have seen that, which is like interesting. So it's like, I'm not wrong. You just didn't want to admit that to yourself. It's funny how sometimes you have to talk things through with the audience. Mm. Like I had that recently where I tell the story about having the heating guy came over to deliver oil. And I'm like, this one guy shows up, his name's Jonathan. And I go, he's a big guy. He looked like an oil cylinder. You know, like a, th- <laughs> thousand, like a thousand gallon guy. <laughs> thousand gallon guy yeah. is so hard. Thousand gallon guy, right? So, so that, it was one of those things where it did really well. 
And then I went to DC a few weeks ago and then it was nothing. And I was like, oh, they think it's a fat joke. And it's not, it's just a big dude. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they thought I was being like critical, like, you know, whatever. I was just describing the person. I thought it was funny mm. that he's like the size of an oil cylinder. <laughs> <laughs> thousand gallon guy does sound like a compliment from the 1950s. <laughs> Johnny's a real thousand gallon guy, you know you. <laughs> so then, but then to, but it, to your point, I clarified it with the audience. Mm. I go like, I felt the tension. And I was like, I feel like you think I'm saying this, but I'm actually like, he's a big guy, like seven foot tall guy, husky, big guy. And then they went for it. And it kind of fixed the joke. Wow, that's interesting. But they almost had to get your permission of like, I know, I'm not saying that. It's not even just permission. I think it's literally audiences being like, what is this exactly? Sometimes mm. it's like the specificity of like, what what's the point of view of the joke? I think audiences are way more savvy Comedy audiences, I started in the late 90s when I was in college. Comedy audiences now are much more savvy about like, what, it, what is this joke about? Mm. Who is this joke at the expense of, mm. et cetera? And so they're much hipper to like, oh, actually, I'm going to choose not to laugh at that because I think this is at the expense of this person. Mm. Whereas like, and, I, and so sometimes, it's like you're saying with your joke, you're like talking through like, no, no, what I meant by that. I think people are nervous because of this, but don't worry, don't worry about it. Yeah. It's kind of like that. And also you your unique case where like you're playing I don't know what they call alt rooms uh, and club rooms. Like you're playing comedy clubs but you're also playing like a bar in Williamsburg oh, that does yeah, comedy yeah. one night a week or whatever. And then it's interesting to see what will work in both of those in like very cuz I feel like I'm very like I'm definitely very like you know, left leaning Gen Z whatever, so I'm like inclined but then I'm also like I love the old I'm like like a Bill Burr, like a stand-up. You know what I mean? So right. I'm like, okay, if there's any... You like if, laughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like one of those old-fashioned comedians who likes to have jokes and then people laugh. <laughs> yeah. Call and, me Mr. Old-Fashioned. <laughs> so here's a crazy thing about me. I like funny comedy. Yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> but there is like a whatever that... uh whatever overlaps in that Venn diagram of like, I'm like, oh, the subject matter of those, of like alt rooms, I'm like, totally. I'm like, that's what I think about. But also the style of more like club stuff is I'm like, that's it. Yeah, it's like, well, one of them's your community. Mm. The alt rooms are more like your peers. They're like the people who you'd go out with on the weekends. Were you not a comedian? Yeah, literally. And you actually had a weekend. <laughs> I have that when I go to Brooklyn rooms. I'm like, man, if I was like cool and had gone to, but I skipped my prom to do like a stand up show at a chicken restaurant. Like, I think I kind of. <laughs> I skipped senior week in college to open for Brian Regan. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so sick. Support for Mike Birbiglia's Working It Out comes from Helix Sleep. Helix has been with this podcast from the very beginning. We are huge Helix mattress fans over here. Let me tell you a few things that are great about Helix Sleep mattresses. They are fiberglass-free. Unlike other brands, Helix mattresses do not contain fiberglass, which can be harmful to your health, as you may have seen in the news or on social media. 
there have been a number of health issues and lawsuits related to fiberglass and mattresses. You know, actually, I used to, I used to have a mattress that was pure fiberglass. It was just, it was literally a bed of fiberglass. No longer. I sleep on Helix mattresses, which are fiberglass free. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. That's helixsleep.com slash burbigs. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. No, now. Support for Working It Out comes from Aura Frames. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? This is the perfect thing. Aura Frames. It's like a Wi-Fi connected digital picture frame. Jenny and I have these at our apartment. We love them. Super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. I can't say enough about these Aura frames. So we got them and we loaded up a bunch of photos of like our daughter when she was little and at different stages of development or at different ages, us going to the beach and just vacations and all these kinds of things over the years. And then it just flips to the next photo and the next photo, like every, you know, whatever you put it at, five seconds, 10 seconds. And it's wonderful and it just kind of warms up a room. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code WIO at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So this is called the slow round. What are, what are people's uh, favorite and least favorite thing about you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, oh, that's wow! That's a crazy question. Um, I think, hopefully, that I'm kind to my friends. I would think. I think someone's least favorite thing about me. I can really. Um, oh, no, I know what people's least favorite thing about me probably is. I have OCD and I get very anxious and I will ask for reassurance. Be like, hey, I didn't just uh, do something weird or I didn't, or hey, I didn't leave the door unlocked or I didn't. And I imagine that gets old. Like that's something that I'm very aware of is I should chill on. I'm super cool on that front. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, can I ask you? It doesn't resemble me in any way, shape or form. (laughs) Like my my family has a running joke of like they're like you can't call Maddie and be like hey can we talk because I'll 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 text all of them and be like did someone die what's going on blah 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 like I'll like my heart will be racing and it'll take five minutes for me to calm down like they literally have to call me and be like hey everything's fine how are you Gary is then I would, is yeah. nodding his head right now because yeah Gary and I talk about this all the time too this is how I know I'm mentally ill if someone goes hey just want you to know things are okay I go oh God things aren't okay. Like, I literally, if someone was like... What the hell happened to your generation? <laughs> like, what happened? I don't... Did I miss something? I mean, I'm anxious too, but like, it seems like your whole generation is like this. I remember I was talking to Nathan McIntosh. I like, we were at the Comedy Cellar and I had like a stomach ache and I was like, I was like, I'm trying to figure out like what I ate or why or like what... And he was like, your generation has to figure out... He wants it to figure out why... You, you have a stomach ache. <laughs> that's really I was funny. like, it blew my mind. I was like, oh yeah, maybe it's just that's what it is. It's it's own sex me. Hey, I love you. Everything's fine, but there's a period on the end of it. I'm literally like, 
I'll never, we're, they're probably never going to speak to me again. Yeah, that punctuation just tipped me over. Yeah. <laughs> Sent me into a spiral. <laughs> oh, they use punctuation? It's a legal document? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was speaking to the president. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Um, yes, I am aware, period. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, do you have a song that makes you cry? Ooh. I'll Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie. That'll do it. I have that at the end of my special, my girlfriend's boyfriend special. Oh, yeah. That song really, uh, is it the same way for you where it's just... It's deep. Yeah. And I remember... And it's not the first time that we've had Death Cab as the answer. Um, it's the third oh, really? It's the third time. Rami Youssef was one of them. Yeah, there's something about Death Cab's music. It's like, what do you think it is? That makes you want to cry. Is it the chords? Yeah. <laughs> is it the is it the lyrics? Is it the chords? Like why why does because it makes me choke up too. I'll follow you in the dark. There's something about it that's so so big. Mm. It's almost operatic. It's anytime and anytime I've like really been in love, that song has been like the <sighs> thing that it's like, oh, I if I hear that song and I think about this person, I'm like. God damn it, I'm in love with someone. <laughs> like, it's like, if you're thinking about, like, who would I, it's just gut-wrenching. That's interesting, because it's, um, like, I think love is such a great stand-up comedy topic mm. that, like, I think sometimes is un undermined, mm. under underutilized. Yeah. Because it can feel, like, syrupy, but actually it is funny. And it is it is funny to feel something so strongly that you do silly things. Yes, Like that that's seems true. inherently funny. Yeah. To be like, I know, this is crazy. Are you up on love right now or down on love? I literally, I feel like I've been so focused on stand-up that I've just been like, you know, blinders on. Yeah. That I haven't even been like dating or doing anything. But I feel very full of love like from friends and community and that's comics sweet. and that kind of thing. Yeah, like I do feel like a second family kind of love. Oh, I feel very full of that. I love that. Thanks. Oh. Um, what's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you that you used? Stand-up advice or any advice? Anything. Stand-up was the first advice that came to my head, which was um, a comic from North Carolina, Eric Trundy. I think it was Eric Trundy. It was someone in the North Carolina scene, a buddy of ours was like, you go back and listen to your set and when you get a laugh... That's not where the joke ends. That's where it starts. Yeah. And that, like I, early on, I was like, oh, that kind of blew my mind. That's huge. Yeah. I feel like I'm still learning and relearning that all the time. Because mm. so often with your set, you're like, that works, that works, that works. And it's like, no, 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 that's actually where you need to spend time. Yeah. And I feel like it's so easy, like, especially in the first few years or even like, I know I'm like still in the beginnings of this of like, uh, you get a laugh and you're like, okay, thank God. And it's like, no, 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 you got to <laughs> keep going. Like, yeah. uh, like, like it's fun to like listen back to your set as if it was somebody else's and then be like, oh, if I were them, I'd take the joke there. And it's yeah. like almost giving yourself that distance because it's so easy to be critical of other people. Yeah. If you treat yourself like another person, you can kind of see where like, oh, why didn't they go that way? And you're like, I should go that way. Yeah. No, I remember like opening for like Jim Gaffigan early on and he – I like I did like this what I should have said was nothing joke that ended up being like the title of that special mm. and he goes if you had like 10 of those you would 
you would crush for like an hour. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, no, 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 dude, that's my closer. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, that's what it is. You have to have like 10 closers. Mm. So we work out material on the show. Do you have anything you're working on? I do have one thing that I was thinking about as like, it's funny to me and I don't even know how to put it into a joke. Yeah. But the concept of it makes me laugh, which is that I was having panic attacks and I was having them on stage. This was like, I mean, fairly recently, like six months to a year ago, where I was like, it was getting to the point where like I was having panic attacks like on stage and I was like, this is really disrupting my life. Like this is going to be a problem. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Yeah. And like one of the things I was like, okay, I'm going to, I bought a perfume and I was like, every time I'm having like a good moment, I'm going to spray the perfume on my wrist and I'm going to smell it as like a sensory thing. Cause you know, like smells that bring you back to like good times. And then I was like, if I'm on stage or I'm on the road or I could be wherever, if I'm freaking out, I can smell it and it'll maybe center me back into like, remind me of times that have been good Yeah, as like a Hail Mary. Yeah. But I started doing that. And then every time I smelled it, it made me feel like I was going to have a panic attack. Wow. <laughs> and it just did the Pavlov's dog like wow. the other direction. And I was like, oh, I guess that means I reached a critical tipping point where I'm having more bad times in my yes. life than good ones. Yes. And that's hilarious to me, but it's not a joke. Right. <laughs> but I think no, there's something funny, funny about no, that, right? there's something very funny about it. I think it is that thing where you, the more you talk about a thing that you're neurotic about, the more you think about the thing you're neurotic about. Mm. And it's like, yeah, it's just a spiral. And then it becomes a weird thing where if you've thought about it in retrospect more than you've experienced it in the present, it's almost like the object in your brain is the idea of the thing instead of the thing now. Right. Like it becomes more about your reaction to it than the thing initially. I almost think as a bit, it needs action. Like in other words, mm. like, so I'm on stage going like that. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you're literally like sniffing your your wrist or whatever. <laughs> Which is also hilarious to be like, I'm falling apart so much that I'm like, <sighs> like yes. I'm just like going for anything. Well, yeah, and you could literally just be like, so I came up with this tactic, blah, blah, blah. And then you could literally, in the middle of it, just be <laughs> uncontrollably going and sniffing. <laughs> um, that might be like a this fun way mind. to go about it. Yeah. Just because it's like action oriented. Mm. I don't know. Thank you. There's, nah, I don't know. Maybe not, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But there's a, I feel there's a lot there. I, I do think like, and I've, I, you know, I talked about this panic attack this weekend. I think there's, there's power in just talking through like how you feel when you're experiencing it. Because mm. I find that when I explain how I feel when I'm experiencing it, people just lock in to like, oh, okay. That kind of goes into the like, oh, I forget that everyone has an experience. I'm like, you know, a panic attack. And people are like, no, I don't know what that is. Right. Yeah. Like, how would you describe your, like, and you were saying six or 12 months ago, you had it on stage. What did it feel like? It feels like I am going to die. Yes. And I need to, I mean, my first instinct, I'm like, I need to run away and check myself into a hospital. Like, it feels like, it feels like either I'm developing schizophrenia, like mm -hmm. I'm losing my grip on reality and I don't feel real and I'm going to die. So I feel like one way to attack that joke. <laughs> What's funny would, about that? <laughs> well, I think one way to attack that joke is like, you know, saying, you know, when I have a panic attack, I had this tactic, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and if you don't know what a panic attack is, for me, my experience is I think this, 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 this. So what solves that is uh, the smell of perfume. <laughs> so I went to Sephora. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's the ebb. And, I think the ebb and flow of how dark it is with how how simple the mm. solution concept is. I think there might be something there. It's funny though, but your your story is an example of. I think great comedy has tension and then there's a release valve. Mm. And you have the release valve, which is the perfume concept. And it's like, I feel like you should work more on the tension side of it mm. and bring people into the the kind of horror of it. And fortunately, mm. I brought perfume. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if that's it, but like it might be somewhere in that universe. Yeah. So here's a couple things that I have written down right now, which is um, uh, I have a habit of like over talking things in my relationship where like I'm a narrator. I'm like, I'm doing the dishes. You know what I mean? Generally, <laughs> generally like, you don't have to say that. You know what I mean? But she's the opposite. Like she like doesn't say how she feels. You know, like we were going, we we're walking to pick up our daughter at school the other day. And I was like, how's your day? She seemed like down. I was like, how's your day? And she was like, fine. But it was like clearly wasn't fine. And so then I'm like, do I, I always ask the audience, I go, so in this moment, this fork in the road, should I probe or should I let it lie? Like I, mm. and people like clockwork are 50-50. Wow. People go, probe, let it go. And, <laughs> and then I always go like, you guys should go out and fist fight each other and then let us know the result. And then we'll all proceed <laughs> like that from now on. Um, and so um, anyway, I probed, I go like, well, it doesn't see, it seems like you might be upset. Like, what are you thinking about? And she's like, nothing. I'm like, well, what's on your mind? Like, what are, like, literally, like, what have you been doing today? And she goes, well, I was watching, I was watching the news. And I was just sad about, about the war. And I said, do you think it's my fault? <laughs> she said, yes. And now I think it might be because I was raised Catholic. So I'm sort of open to anything being my fault. You fault the, yeah. the war? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be funny at the end of it. It's like, you know who to blame? Catholics. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's the end of the triangle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's it's weird. Like, yeah, it's, um. I don't know if it's a Catholic thing. I don't know. What, I do have a sense of like anything could be my fault. Mm. Like I'm open at any time. To I have the same thing where it's, it's, it's like uh, something goes wrong and you go, oh God, did I do something? Yeah. And it's almost, it's weird because it's so self, deprecating isn't the right word, but it's weirdly also... I'm, I'm just saying this as a criticism of myself, but I'm like, oh, this is a weirdly self, like just without judgment, a literally self-centered way to It's look like a at narcissistic view of the world. Yeah, that yeah. like I used to have, I used to try to do a bit when I started and I did not, I couldn't, it was like not something I was able to tackle, but that like self-hatred is like lazy narcissism because like narcissism is being like, I'm the best and self-hatred is like, I suck. And then everyone else has to go, you're the best. No. Right. It's like you just outsource the feeling of, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I, I don't even have my inner monologue saying I'm the best. I need someone else to tell me. That's a really good point. I feel like that still could be a bit. Maybe that, I didn't mean it, to derail it, your no, bit. It's but not, it doesn't derail at all. No, but I do think like, it's like, can you say it again? That self-hatred is like just lazy narcissism. Because narcissism is going, I'm the best. Right. And self-hatred is going, oh, I suck. So that everyone else has to say, no, you're the best. Right. And it's like you just outsourced 
a narcissistic inner monologue. Or you delegated it. Yeah. Right. You're like, ah, I'm a little tired. Can you do this for me? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. It's lazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I but I have the same thing where that's so funny though. The, it's the war. Oh, is it was it me? Is it me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um and so then I I'm working on like this is a joke that I wrote the front half, and then I am working on trying to figure out tags to it, which is like I feel like parenting is a little bit like hiking. Like no one's ever like great job hiking. They're just like, keep hiking, <laughs> you know, don't fall off the side. And you're like, which <laughs> side? And then they're gone. <laughs> that was, so that so, fall, don't fall off the side thing is like a new tag I'm tinkering with. Don't fall off the side. It's really funny. Yeah. There's bears. What do you do? Just stand there. Yeah. You just gotta, like, there's so many warnings I feel like with hiking that are like, watch out for this. And it's like, oh, what do you do? And it's like, well, if that happens, you'll probably die. Right. Like, there's nothing you can't, it's like, hey, hope this doesn't happen. Oh, what should I do if that happens? Ah. <laughs> well, one of my, yeah, one of my tags for it at one point was, um, and sometimes you want to jump off a cliff and you're like, I can't, I'm the guide. <laughs> So anyway, the whole party is gonna. <laughs> I'm still tinkering with that. You ever have that with jokes where you go like, the front half of this joke is great, but if it doesn't have a second half, mm. it's not gonna really live in the hour long term mm. because you're like, if it's half written, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I feel like I have one of those right now where it's like a, it's like a, I have a premise and I'm like, oh, that's funny, but there's sort of a so what to it. Where what is it's it? Like, what is it? It's like about like humans being like the word. Just that it's crazy that we're the only animal that, that is maladapted to their environment. Yeah. Like every other animal gets to like follow their instincts. And I'm like, if I followed my instincts, like I would be fat, pregnant, and dead. Like it's not oh an option. <laughs> and just the feeling of every, I'm like, we put our favorite stuff everywhere. There's like food and guns and boobs. And then you have to live your whole life like, don't fuck that. Don't shit over there. Like it's like a very, the energy uh. to suppress that every day is crazy. But there's a sort of, I don't have an end to it of a sort of like, so what is this? Am I saying we should go back to the woods? Am I saying, right, right, right. like, I just have this initial, fe this initial feeling of like, isn't this crazy? But I haven't found a place for it really because there's no like. I think it's possible because the POV of it is a little bit nebulous, but it's hilarious <laughs> in the middle. Like it might be the embark that you'd have to recalibrate. Huh. So how do you begin it again? I say that I usually get into it off of food stuff. Yeah. I'm talking about like Overeaters Anonymous and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, and people are like, oh, you don't have willpower. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't think like humans evolved to have willpower. Animals don't have willpower. We're just the only living thing that's not in the environment we're supposed to live in. Right. But I'm like, we have computers and buildings and soap and stuff. And, oh, that's kind of how I get into it. I'm like, oh, do you ever look at your body and you're like, oh, I don't get a software update? Right. Like, I just have to run caveman in a mall? <laughs> that's crazy. And it's one where people are either really on board if they, I think, already kind of think like that, or people go, we have no idea what you're talking about and this is a TED Talk. Like, it's, yeah, that that is interesting to think that maybe the entrance to it is... And then where do you go from there? And then from there I go, I talk about like other animals that they just get to wake up and they're like, oh, I guess I'll fuck that. And then we just like film it. It goes a little more into that. And then I talk about like incels a little bit too. It's kind of like, it's, it's, there's like 
sex and food and like willpower, I feel like there is something to be cracked of like the overarching thing is I'm like, well, yeah, we're maladapted to our environment. Yeah. And I just don't know how to get into that because it always starts too wordy. And I think that if you called back at the end of that run, because I think that run is super funny. Like I'm laughing really hard. And like, I'm like, I don't know, like, I feel like if you were able to circle back to one of the other principles of the jokes that led into it, mm. you might be able to get the train back on the track. Oh, interesting. And then the audience will kind of forgive the fact that like it's possibly like a mixed metaphor mm. or it's possibly of a world that they don't necessarily agree with the logic, but it doesn't matter because we're back on the original train. Yeah, the food stuff might be the way to go. Yeah, like some callback to the food stuff. And because I am Maddie Muffins. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing out something from another joke. I don't know if that makes sense at all. No, it's really fun. I and it, as as a willpower thing, it's pretty. I think relatable to be like. Sometimes I've gone into the subway joke off of that and been like, "How would I have willpower? Subway sell sandwiches by the foot, right?" Which is a little, I think, A to C kind of. Well, but well, to that point, like there's a way in which you could literally fly off into that metaphor and then be like, the point is, I don't have willpower. You know what I mean? Where it's mm. like, it's not really true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's kind of bringing people back to like, okay, I intend, I for fun mm. lost my way, but let's get back to the point. And here's where I was going with that. Here's yeah. the takeaway. Now we're back on the track. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, I'm working on this thing right now, but um, uh, my daughter broke her foot last summer and we took her in to urgent care. And like urgent care, that sort of shouldn't exist. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the step in the process that it's just like at some point, it, w it was like created by someone having a panic attack. <laughs> who was like, I need... Urgent care. <laughs> and then one guy's like, I own this building. Uh, I don't know. I could paint the words urgent care. There's nothing in it. You know, I could get a desk from Ikea and I'll just, <laughs> I'll, I'll sit here with a laptop open to WebMD. Like <laughs> urgent care is like what, how much we know. <laughs> urgent care is like I we we went in and we're like we're worried they're like we're worried you know what I mean it's so and it's totally like like a, someone having a panic attack we go I need to see a doctor right now and they go is it an emergency do you need <laughs> yeah, to go yeah. to the emergency room and they no but but it's urgent that's right <laughs> that's what it is that's what it is it's, I mean, like, it's not an emergency but it's urgent that's right and it's like and you you know we went in and we we're like we're you know they're like. Uh, they're like, do you know a doctor? We're like, no, do you? They're like, no. <laughs> They're like, you should go to a hospital. We're like, no, we thought this was like an intermediate step. They're like, no. You know what I mean? And it's like two months a year, it's a Halloween store. You know what I mean? That's that should be a that should be a tip off that we shouldn't take our gravest matters to urgent care. You know what I mean? It's like they do fake blood, real blood, sexy nurses, no real nurses. So that's like this new thing I was working out this so weekend. Funny. For some reason today, everything is coming back to panic attacks. Yeah, I think it's just on the brain for me right now because mm. it happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, so that's the urgent care thing I'm working on. But I like what you're saying because your riff on it is kind of like, it's interesting because it's like, it's not quite hospital. <laughs> 
it but does, it's not quite nothing. <laughs> it does feel like a mom advocating very hard for their kid where it's like, you legally can't call it an emergency, but they're like, okay, but write, make sure they write down that it's urgent. Like urgent right. is such a funny word. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Support for Working It Out comes from Aura Frames. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? This is the perfect thing. Aura Frames. It's like a Wi-Fi connected digital picture frame. Jenny and I have these at our apartment. We love them. Super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. I can't say enough about these Aura Frames. So we got them and we loaded up a bunch of photos of like our daughter when she was little and at different stages of development or at different ages, us going to the beach and just vacations and all these kinds of things over the years. And then it just flips to the next photo and the next photo, like every, you know, whatever you put it at, five seconds, 10 seconds. And it's wonderful. And it just kind of warms up a room. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code WIO at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. I was thrilled when they became an advertiser because we've used them for years. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So the last thing we do is working it out for a cause. If you have a nonprofit that you contribute to, I will contribute to them, link to them in the show notes. There is a nonprofit that I think is amazing called Liberation Library. Okay. And they send books to incarcerated youth in Chicago. And the kids can actually like request what books they want, um, you know, let people know like what topics they're interested in. And uh, this organization like carries out all the logistics of getting books to these kids who are um, currently incarcerated. Uh, they have a mission statement on their website that I think is really beautiful. Um, but just that basically that like, reading should be a right and not a privilege. And they're like helping to ensure that. Um, so I think they specifically work in Chicago, but they accept donations from anywhere. Um, That's fantastic. There, yeah. It's uh, www.liberationlib.org. We'll contribute to them. We'll link to them in the show notes. Thanks, Maddie, for coming. Thank you so much for having me on. And, this, was, uh, this was a blast. This was such a thrill. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Working it out because it's not done. Working it out because there's no that's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. I loved talking to Maddie Wiener. I hope that's the first of many episodes we do. Maddie will be in Los Angeles at the Lyric Hyperion, February 6th, and in Cincinnati at Comedy at Commonwealth, 
on February 17th. You can follow her on Instagram, at Maddie T. Wiener. And if you're able to watch the full video of this interview, it's on our YouTube channel, which is at Mike Birbiglia. Check that out and subscribe, because we're going to be posting more and more videos. We're having a great time with that. Special thanks this week to our friend Nick Dimitrilakis, who helped us with that video this week. Check out Burbigs.com to sign up for the mailing list to be the first to know about all of my upcoming shows. Our producers are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Burbiglia, as well as Mabel Lewis, associate producer Gary Simons, sound mix by Shub Sarin, supervising engineer Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to Jack Andenoff and Bleachers for their music. Hopefully we get Jack on the podcast soon. You should pressure him on social media. Pressure him at Jack Antonoff on Twitter and Instagram to come in the studio for his return to working it out after making all this great music. He is uh, he's really an amazing person, one-of-a-kind musician who has really helped out this podcast, and we're excited to celebrate his new album coming out in March. Special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Her book, Little Astronaut, is in bookstores now. You can follow her at, at jhopestein on Instagram. Special thanks, as always, to uh, my daughter, Una, who built the original Radio 4 Beta Pillows. Without that, none of this would be possible. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. If you're enjoying the show, review us on Apple Podcasts. It actually it's, it helps. Helps a lot. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Maybe one day you see your enemies having a panic attack, and normally you'd think, you know, I'll just let them panic. They're my enemy. But how about this? Instead, you go up, you say, hey, my enemy, I see you're having a rough time. You're having a panic attack. And I think you should try listening to this episode of the Working Out Podcast where Mike talks to Maddie Wiener about this exact thing, and they find humor in it. It might make you feel better. It might make them feel better. Try that. Be the bigger person. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you next time. We're working it out. <laughs>